Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. The investigation of the Biden crime family heating up. FBI Director Chris Ray testifying in front of the Senate today. What he really wants them to do is pass more legislation of unconstitutional surveillance for the American people. Oh, he loves uh, some of that. Oh, boy. Get his jollies off on right that. Now, we talked to that uh, the, the Breitbart tech guy on, on Friday. There are three different pieces of, of legislation that uh, the United States government wants to enact. But anyway, I digress. A lot of topics on the table. Some heat was being thrown towards the FBI director today and these were some big time flamethrowers we're talking about josh hawley we're talking about ted cruz we're talking about senator kennedy from louisiana so really i think ray was there to kind of focus on the biden crime family stuff but since he was there nothing was off limits so let's start with ted cruz here uh ted cruz has got a little problem with the FBI director. Is the FBI, do they make a routine practice of allowing partisan political optics to prevent investigating serious evidence of corruption? My instructions to our people on this and on every other investigation are that we are to follow the facts wherever they lead, no matter who likes it, no matter what political influence there may be out there. Then why didn't you get the GPS data on where Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were? Again, Senator, with respect, I can't discuss an ongoing investigation. And and Director Ray, you and I have gone round and round on this, because I understand. Anytime you're asked about this, the answer is it's an ongoing investigation. Of course, the investigation isn't ongoing. You're not doing the work. you got whistleblowers pointing out that you're not doing the work, and you are hiding behind the skirts of the attorney general. Love it. Love it. The skirts of the attorney general. There's something sexist about that statement, I'd say. Oh, somebody's probably going to give Ted Cruz crap. There's no (laughs) doubt about that. Um, Again, Ted Cruz questioning the FBI's director here on why Hunter Biden's inner circle was tipped off when a search warrant was coming Hunter's way. The whistleblower testified that investigators wanted to execute a search warrant on a storage unit used by Hunter Biden, and instead they tipped off Hunter Biden's lawyer before the search warrant was carried out. Is it typical FBI practice to tip off the subject of a search warrant before the search warrant so they can remove any evidence that's incriminating? What is typical is that when you're dealing with an individual who has a protective detail, uh, it is typical uh, for agents to be in contact with does the, the subject's protective, protective detail. detail. Does the protective detail guard the storage unit? Again, I can't speak to the storage unit specifically, but I can tell you is that why, when it comes to... Why would the FBI tip off the subject of a search warrant about the storage unit that was going to be searched beforehand? Does that not undermine the very essence of an investigation that DOJ is purporting to undertake? 
Again, I'm not going to be able to discuss specific investigative studies. <laughs> but who is? If you're not, nobody answers these questions. And it's why people are furious with the cover up, because you don't believe the FBI is accountable to Congress or to the American people. It's hilarious. So, so why did you tip off Hunter again? Why did the FBI tip off about the raid? Well, he's got Secret Service protection. We got to let them know ahead of time. But does the garage have Secret Service protection? <laughs> ah, hell, I don't know. <laughs> this is the FBI director. And again, these types of moments were made for Ted Cruz, though, because he's a former attorney. I mean, constitutional law is kind of his thing. So when he gets up there and gets a chance to go full law and order, he's going to absolutely do and that. And then they hide behind the, the, the skirts of the, the attorneys and whatever, like Ted Cruz said, because, I mean, the other clip, talked about him you know why, why don't you just put the gps monitor on hunter and joe biden to see where they were see if they were next to each other when hunter biden was talking to the guys from china about money and llcs and deposits just use the gps pretty easy to tell where they were if those if you have the phone call records coming in and chris ray just looks at him uh, why the hell would we do that <laughs> come on ongoing investigation can't talk about it you know, in addition to some of these guys bringing the heat to Chris Ray, there is one thing that Ray said today that I thought was incredibly jarring. He said that the terror threats right now in this country are at the highest level they've been in a long time. This is in regards to the October 7th attack from Hamas to Israel. And while we're sitting over here fighting about policy and Hunter Biden, just keep in mind largely because of Joe Biden's border policy or the oh, lack yeah. thereof. Yeah. There's a lot of bad actors in this country planning something. So if you believe in, you know, heightened terror threat levels, there used to be color-coded levels to this. That's not what you want to hear right now. I mean, you have 8 million illegals that have come in since Joe Biden took office. I mean, it's just by sheer numbers, by odds. I mean, something's bound to happen. And, and people on the terrorist watch list have been apprehended. Which exactly. Makes me, which makes me wonder how many people on that watch list have not been apprehended and it got through. Exactly right. There are some bad actors here. And I think the government probably knows who some of them are. But instead, parents going to school board meetings or Catholic Americans, they've been labeled as extremists. And that's what had Josh Hawley fired up here. So Josh Hawley asking the FBI director, why wasn't anybody fired over that leaked internal FBI memo that clearly exists where Catholic Americans were yeah. called extremists? But I can tell you that we don't investigate people for their exercise of their constantly protected, constitutionally protected religious expression. I, that I particular intelligence product is something that as soon as I saw it, I was aghast. I had it withdrawn. Really, you were aghast. I was. And, oh, really? Yes, and what sir. have you done about it? Did you fire the people who wrote it? No, I had it withdrawn. Have you fired anybody involved in it? Senator, if you will give me a chance to answer That's a your yes question. or a no. It's not hard. Have you fired anyone involved in the writing of that outrageous memo about which, frankly, you've repeatedly misled the public. Yes or no? The individuals involved have in that you product fired were anyone? not, just a minute, were not found <laughs> to have engaged in any intentional or bad faith conduct. And in fact, in fact, Senator, a number of the individuals the involved, no. a number of the individuals involved in writing that product in the Richmond office were themselves Catholic. So the notion oh, I see. that so they were targeting they, their own oh, faith oh, so they is have to get out of jail free card. I see. 
They, I see. So you're immune and they're that. immune. So we shouldn't ask questions about it. You haven't done a darn thing. You haven't fired anybody. You know, in between the grandstanding there, the moral of the story is nobody got fired for an internal memo that called Catholics, Catholics extremists. That's a problem. Nobody got fired for how they treated pro-life activist Mark Houck. You remember, he was facing charges of disorderly conduct in front of an abortion clinic. The prosecutor declined to prosecute. A private suit was even dismissed. And then the Department of, Ju- the Department of Justice and the FBI and 30 armed agents uh, kicked in this guy's door. And pointed guns in their faces. Family was crying after he even offered to turn himself in. Just another example of how they are treating uh, Catholic Americans. One of our favorites, the senator from Louisiana, John Kennedy, yes, had questions about Hunter Biden's laptop. Why didn't the FBI just say, hey, the laptop's real? Why didn't you just tell everybody the laptop's real? We're not vouching for what's on it. But it's real. This isn't a, 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 a fiction. Well, I, I, as you might imagine, the FBI cannot, especially in a time like that, be talking about an ongoing investigation. There it is. Second, I would tell you that at least my understanding is that both the FBI folks involved in the conversations and the Twitter folks involved in the conversations both say that the FBI did not direct Twitter to uh, suppress. But others were story. in government. Well, I can't. Again, I can't speak to others in government. Now, that's part of the point. That I was trying to make because the fifth. Yes, sir, but opinion, you're the FBI. You're not part of the White House and part of Homeland Security. You're not supposed to be political. You see all this controversy going on. Why didn't the FBI said, "Time out, folks. We're not getting in the middle of this, but the laptop's real." Again, we have to be very careful about what we can say, especially in the middle of uh, an election season. And this goes back and forth and back and forth for a little while. And I think we're going to wrap up this segment with Senator Kennedy saying a little bit more. It's very easy to tell a boy from a girl. A boy has a penis, a girl has a vagina. (laughs) Okay, that didn't get said today. But anytime we're talking about Senator Kennedy, we have to get that in the mix. By the way, just a side note here. Great sound bites, awesome clips we just played today. Throwing the heat at the people that need to be held accountable. But again, where does it lead? A sizzle reel for when these guys have to get reelected? That's it. Nothing's going to happen. Ray's going to get away with this. Nobody was fired for that memo. The incompetence at the border and bad actors in this country. He's going to get away with it. But we did get some good sound bites. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Halliburton bouncing and looking and launching and scoring! Mark Boyle. Hall of Famer Mark Boyle. Right yes. There. One of the best. Fieldhouse was absolutely rocking and rolling last night. Uh, Eddie White of the Pacers joins us. Eddie, I was listening to a little bit of the postgame show heading out of downtown last night, and I think you had somebody tell you it felt like a college crowd last night, and I think that was accurate. 
It, it certainly did. Uh, Drew Powell, the actor, the Lebanon native, DePaul graduate, who's now out in Hollywood making a name for himself. He was there last night. He was filming up in Chicago, and he drove down for the game, was going back. And he said it reminded him of a big-time college game. It reminded me of, of those great Reggie Miller games back in the day. And, and, and I, I think I said this on a post-game show. You know, we're old enough to remember. We remember when Byron Scott hit that shot against Orlando, and we swept the Magic in the first NBA series playoff series won by the Pacers and I'll never forget driving out of the parking lot at MSA at that circular parking lot to get out and none of the cars were moving but we're all bopping our horns and then we got out and regardless <laughs> of what direction you went into east, west, north or south people were on their porches with brooms and I think last night was like just in that building at 125 South Pennsylvania Street it, it just showed you how sports is so important and brings the community together it doesn't regardless who the hell you are or what you believe in or whatever it, it was absolutely magical and to think that and this just shows you Indiana and you know, the old thing 49 states it's just basketball this game we didn't even know this game existed until a couple of days before we didn't know if we'd be in it didn't know who we were going to play didn't know where it was going to be when it was going to be but on a Monday night in early December almost 17,000 people showed up and it was magical and what I love the most is that normally when like the Celtics or the Lakers or you know the Warriors come to town. You get a lot of bandwagon fans, you know, people that like players on the other team. Last night, even though it was the Boston Celtics, one of the heritage franchises of the league, that was a Pacers crowd. And they were loud. They're waving the banners. They're singing Jack and Diane at timeouts. They're standing up in the fourth quarter. And you're right. It felt like the old Market Square days. Hammer, it was great. You were right. It, you know, it, usually when a Celtics come in, you see a lot of Larry Bird green jerseys. I didn't see that many last night. And, you know, I've given some friends of mine a hard time because over the years, their little kid would be, with, you know, from Carmel would show up. One year, he'd have a Heat jersey on. Another year, a Cavaliers jersey. Another year, a Lakers jersey. I'm like, uh, you do live in Carmel, right? Um, but I think, I think you know, you, you got to give the fans something to believe in and fall in love with the man. I think they it started last year. We saw it. And Coach Carlisle said it, and Kevin Pritchard said it. There's a locker room that's very, very special. And now you're starting to see some wins. Now, we got a long way to go, but, I mean, to think that you got a guy like Halliburton, who not only has he dipped in 100% into this community and to be a part of it, and, of course, the franchise has dipped 100% into him, I think the fans have now dipped in and said, you know what, you're our guy, let's go. You're our basketball Peyton Manning. We're going to follow you wherever you want to take us. So, Eddie, what's next for this team in terms of the in-season tournament? We're going to Vegas, right? We're going to Vegas. They play, which is kind of crazy. Uh, They're playing Thursday in a 5 p.m. start. Uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully Boyle can make it there. Uh, God knows what Mark's going to do the night before in Vegas. Um, but it's 5 o'clock, and, if, and we'll play the winner of tonight's game between Milwaukee and the Knickerbockers. And then if we would win that one, then we would play Saturday for the championship. And where are you at right now, Eddie? Because I know the Pacers do all kinds of different stuff, especially around yeah. the holiday season. Where are you at? Well, you know, I think of you two guys as great friends. Well, think about this. Our owner, Herb Simon, has a buddy of his, one of his good friends, a guy named Stephen Berman. And Stephen Berman is the president of a toy company. Uh, and he lives out in California, good, Herbie's neighbor. Well, about 14 years ago, Stephen Berman had the idea, hey, hey Herbie, I want to give you some toys. Can you distribute to some needy kids around the state of Indiana? Well, 14 years later, 
because of this one singular friendship of these two individuals, we have distributed over a half a million toys to kids oh, all wow. over the state around the Christmas time. And when the, when the tornado hit Henryville in the summer, Mr. Berman and Mr. Simon were there. We took Troy, toys down and gave them to the kids who had lost their homes, had nothing to play mm. with and stuff like that. So we're going all over the state. Uh, Thursday, we're in Attica. Last week, I was in Princeton. Uh, next week, I, I don't know where the hell I'm going next week, but today, I'm in Fort Wayne. I already went by Coney Island to get some hot dogs. I love, you know, we go down <laughs> south, I go to Donut Bank. You know me, I love the food. Sure. But we're up at the uh, YMCA in Fort Wayne, and this afternoon, we're going to give away about 400 toys to kids in Fort Wayne who, and you know, a couple years ago, a mom, I helped some mom carry some toys out to her car in Marion. And she was in tears, and she started talking to me, and then I started crying. She said, these are the only gifts my kids are going to get at Christmas. And it just, you know, we, we say we're Indiana's team, Indiana's sport. We are the Indiana Pacers. We've gone to New Albany. We've gone to Fort Wayne, South Bend, Richmond, over the years, giving out toys. Uh, we belong to this state. And this state belongs to us because of these two guys, Mr. Berman and Mr. Simon, a half a million toys over the last 14 years. That's awesome. Love, love, love to hear that. Eddie, this is a fun time, man. Let's keep this thing rolling. Let's get some dubs out in Vegas and uh, let's win this thing. You know me, Hammer, there's nothing I enjoy more than a nice victory cigar. And I had one lit last night. Eddie, you're the best. Thank you. All right, God bless you guys. Boom, baby! It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. At least eight Americans still unaccounted for. This is 60-plus days after the October 7th terrorist attacks on Israel, Hamas coming in from Gaza, slaughtering 1,200-plus people, taking hundreds of hostages, uh, doing unspeakable things, and somehow it's all Israel's fault. And shouldn't this be a much larger part of this story? Eight Americans, at least eight, are unaccounted for. Like, I remember growing up at a time where if there was an American hostage somewhere, damn the torpedoes. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. We are bringing our people home. There are so many layers to this story with Hamas and Israel. It almost feels like these eight Americans are being left out and forgotten. And that's disgusting and that's unacceptable. But I don't really see a rush from Joe Biden or his administration to try to bring these people home. And when you try to ask him about it, the White House will just call a lid on a day where they really don't have anything going on. So you can't ask them any questions. Or if you do, if you manage to get an answer out of them, it's usually, hey, look, um, we we need a ceasefire. And by the way, Islamophobia. (laughs) Right. Right. Now, ridiculous. You bring up Islamophobia. There's a lot of back and forth happening in regards to the propaganda of each side here, right? But what's happening at Penn University is absolutely disgusting. And we're going to use Penn as the example because I know it's probably happening all over the country, but these college campuses have become places where it's okay to practice absolute hate onto people anti-semitism right um go back to the summer of love when it was 2020 if you were a white person you were told to shut up and listen even down here at iupui's campus or iu indianapolis whatever it's called now across the bridges it's still black lives matter 
It's still up there across the walkways. All right, fine. Going to have to have some uncomfortable conversations. Right. But if you're a Jewish student right now on one of these college campuses, things are even more uncomfortable. So there's a student at the University of Penn. He held a press conference earlier today. He was told by classmates and even some professors, paid employees of the university, quote, you deserve to die. And the thing is, the university's administration isn't doing anything about it. These are some pretty powerful pieces of audio here. So let's listen uh, to this student. 36 hours ago, I, along with most of campus, sought refuge in our rooms. As classmates and professors chanted proudly for the genocide of Jews while igniting smoke bombs and defacing school property. And in fact, Penn's president did choose silence. The neighboring university's president swiftly denounced the incident, and yet our president cannot. Because the glorious October 7th, and you're a dirty little Jew, you deserve to die. Our words said not by Hamas, but by my classmates and professors. And this is on the heels of a very pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas rally that took place on Penn's campus. Now, the student's name is Eyal Yacobi, and it takes some you-know-whats to go up there in front of the masses and have a press conference like this, knowing what's already happening to him on his college campus. Knowing that not only students, but did he I hear him say professors? Yes. Yes, Go you after did. him? 100%. Here's a little more. <laughs> Our university, revered for its pursuit of knowledge, has devolved into an arena where Jewish students tiptoe through their days, uncertain and unsafe. The situation at Penn has escalated into a full-blown crisis, with students openly asserting their intentions to proceed with plans with or without university permission. During COVID, strict guidelines governed everything from class attendance and graduation walks. Yet now, when students and faculty defy policies to intimidate Jewish students, where is the same resolute enforcement? For the past three weeks inside Houston Hall, our student center, an anti-Semitic headquarters has been erected with signs spreading Hamas propaganda. The organizers, both Penn affiliated and not, were initially asked to leave as they are trespassing on campus property. Well, three weeks later, they are still sleeping there and countless Jewish students have been harassed, yet the anti-Semitic dormitory remains. Clearly, both a disregard for school policies and permission to disregard them by a university unwilling to do anything. How have they not been thrown out on their asses? And some have no affiliation at all with Penn. Just professional cause takers, if you will. Agitators. Designed to be a pain in the ass. And he's so right. When it came to COVID, boy, oh boy, if you didn't do the contact tracing, if you didn't do all the things and wear the 13 masks and have 85 vaccines, the (laughs) university would come down hard on you. But here's a kid that's being called horrific names and the university's not doing a damn thing about it. Not only are tensions palpable, but there have also been materialized actions taken to intimidate and harm students. A bomb threat against Hillel, a swastika spray painted, the Hillel and Chabad houses vandalized, a professor posting the armed wing of Hamas's logo on Facebook, 
a Jewish student accosted, Jews are Nazis, etched adjacent to Penn's Jewish fraternity house. Why doesn't the university hold the perpetrators of such acts accountable? Is the university fearful that they may offend those who wish to intimidate and harass their fellow students? Penn's ambivalence fuels a crisis that has shattered my academic sanctuary. Policies meant to safeguard us have become hollow promises. And let us be clear, if they fail Jewish students today, tomorrow they will fail the rest of us. Incredibly powerful stuff right there. Incredible. And good for I, I him. Can't, I can't believe that's allowed to go on the campuses. I, I am. It's 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 nice to see that some donors of some of these big uh, colleges and universities and uh, um, like Harvard, Penn, they're pulling their cash. They're pulling their donations. They have turned their back on their own universities because they refuse to address this this problem that has the potential to turn violent. I mean, hell, a mob of pro-Palestinian students at a Queens high school who were screaming for retribution at a Jew teacher that had to, that was uh, pictured at a pro-Israel protest. She was trapped in her classroom for hours. Every one of those students that was banging on her door should have been expelled. And listen, Penn is the example here because one student was brave enough to have a press conference, but it's happening everywhere. I promise you, there are some pockets here in Indiana that Jewish students on campus probably do not feel safe or welcome. And had this been a COVID restriction, the university, boy, oh boy, they're Billy Badasses. But when it comes to things like this, where students actually need their universities and their leaders to step up, a lot of these places, crickets. Yeah, and it's, it's, I'm going to tell you something. I, I knew you were going to getting ready to transition, though, but you always hear balance from the people that criticize Israel. We need to see more balance, don't we? There needs to be a balanced approach, a measured, balanced approach. I don't see much balance in these pro-Hamas demonstrations that are threatening Israel and threatening the Jewish community. Zero balance there whatsoever, Hammer. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Well, Hammer, you left us with quite a cliffhanger, that last segment. Something about Biden's climate czar, John Kerry, and a fart. We'll get to that. Okay. Okay? Please. Now, here's what you need to know. The big UN climate convention, it's underway. And Kamala Harris and John Kerry are there. In Dubai. In Dubai. They flew on separate private jets (laughs) leaving a hell of a carbon footprint there's hundreds of jets flown privately flown privately to this place to dubai who runs more air conditioning than probably anybody in the world (laughs) and the host is a big oil boss so that tells you everything you need to know about this climate convention so the climate czar john Kerry, his job is to whip up fear The scientists are saying this moment is alarming. It's without precedent. 
It is terrifying, some have said. And others will say we are in uncharted territory. I've been okay. saying that for 50 years. Right. And his boss, Joe Biden, has said the same thing. The single existential threat to the world is climate change. We don't have a lot of time. And that's a fact. I don't think I heard Chris Ray of the FBI in that Senate hearing earlier today say anything about climate change. <laughs> I don't think the threat level has been raised because of climate change. And oh, by the way, Joe Biden's not even there. So if this is such a big deal right. for Joe Biden, why isn't he there? So I'm going to read you this headline from the New York Post, okay? Okay. This is an actual headline, quote, Loud fart sound erupts during John Kerry's speech at climate panel. Wait, that's a headline? That's a headline from the Post. So, turn your radios up. We're going to play you a piece of audio. Listen closely. There's a moment where John Kerry may or may not have floated an air biscuit. I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. And and the reality is that the climate crisis and the health crisis are one and the same. And the video, like there's a woman from CNN, Becky Anderson, sitting to his right. The minute you hear that little burn she kind of makes a face and looks over at him here we've isolated the potential fart okay. from john Kerry. those things that are killing people on a daily basis <laughs> play it again <laughs> those things that are killing people on a daily basis <laughs> for a guy that's you know all about you know we have to lower our emissions he's put oh, a lot yeah. of green gas out there himself it sounds like that's a fart. I'm a guy that oh. knows what a fart sounds oh, like. Oh, sure. And John Kerry, he's polluting the atmosphere. He flew over there privately to Dubai, and he's putting out emissions. That's a problem. <laughs> Which brings us to great moments in broadcast <laughs> fart history. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Swalwell. The president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. <laughs> These are real. This is yep. nothing that we've edited. Uh, talk show host <laughs> Wendy Williams has not only a burp, but she chased it with a fart. And she probably got five new boyfriends. We haven't caught anybody coming out of the house yet, but just a matter of time. She's not lonely. Yep. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. The audible groan from the crowd. Yeah, the oh, and this was a Kentucky weatherman <laughs> who was trying so hard to hold it in. Well, you'll notice we've already gotten 30s in Evansville where the transition has occurred, and it's 42 in Bedford. I just want to show you how cold this air is. <laughs> it's eight in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. He's trying so hard. He's biting his lip. His cheeks are turning pink. Allison, can I get it one more time? Well, you'll notice we've already gotten 30s in Evansville where the transition has occurred, and it's 42 in Bedford. I just want to show you how cold this air is. <laughs> you showed us. You did oh, show us. Oh wow! He was. He had to pause because he was concentrating so hard. Right. There was audible. There was a pregnant pause there. 
Uh, if you're looking for a reason to drink today, always on December 5th, 1933, Prohibition was canceled, Nige. Yeah! So how are we going to celebrate? Uh, with a little uh, 100% pure agave, Espalon Tequila Blanco. Espalon Tequila Blanco. Allison, you got your shot ready, right? It's my American duty. Oh, I like it when Allison drinks oh, with us. This is my wife's favorite tequila. I, we, we either go with this one or uh, we're out of uh, hiatus. We right. Need, we need to get we glaze need, yeah, back need in glaze here. glaze back in here for some hiatus. We stuff. need a Hammer and Nigel line of tequila yes, to come out. Please. So, all right. all right, to everybody listening in the audience, to the end of Prohibition, cheers, ladies cheers. and gentlemen. I feel like Anderson Cooper. Ah, it's burning my lungs. Allison, you good? Ah, it's burning my lungs. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. Hey, by the way, Hammer, the, uh, the Ron DeSantis, Gavin Newsom debate drew about four and a half million viewers. Uh, heads and tails above previous town halls slash debate style. Uh, functions with Donald Trump uh, over the past couple times, so I, that, that's a pretty good bump. It is, and I wonder if it would have been as watched if it were on CNN, because Fox News, even without Tucker Carlson, is still rated number one. So there's already a pretty good built-in audience. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder if that would have been on CNN, you know, Gavin Newsom's home court, so to speak, if they would have pulled in those types yeah, of numbers. Nobody watches those dirtbags. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> those, they're, they're, those they're, dirtbags have been in third place for years. It was it was three to four million when Trump was on CNN. Yeah, so it's probably going to be a little lower than that. Uh, we've got another debate coming up, I believe, tomorrow night. Oh, no, no, no. Four. No. That's the number of people that are going to be on the stage. <laughs> oh, I thought that's that going to be the number of viewers. <laughs> I'm not denying it. I'm not saying no. That's what you were going to say. <laughs> Four viewers. Uh, you and I will be two of them. DeSantis, Haley, Ramaswamy, and somehow Christie. Oh, that Chris guy. Christie has survived this thing. He's like a cockroach. Like, Doug dropped out yesterday, but yet Chris Christie keeps on plugging along. When Pence has gone away, Chris Christie's still there just to troll Donald Trump. That's exactly it. He's still got people. He's got the the donors, the the donor class giving him money, keeping him in line just so he can remind people of how awful the big mean orange man is. How is he going to run a campaign from the courtroom? Well, I got news for you. He's doing it already. Right. <laughs> You're 100% right. You know? With this debate tomorrow though, what can we hear that we've not heard already? There have been, what, three of these things already? Two or three? I've lost track. But without Donald Trump three. there, what the hell? Like, it's wearing me out at this point. I'm just ready to move on to Iowa. Let's turn all of our attention to Iowa or do individual town halls or debates. Like, I liked the DeSantis versus Newsom thing. One-on-one. I thought that was pretty good. I'm not sure quite what the point of it was, other than ratings. 
Um, Showing other than being red able to, America versus blue America, maybe. Uh, and, and DeSantis being able to get his message out there without being shouted down by the other people, other GOP, uh, you know, uh, uh, Republicans on the stage. Unf- right. Basically unfettered uh, access to his platform to 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 tell everybody what his, his uh, view, his vision of America is. What I liked about the DeSantis-Newsom deal was... DeSantis did a really good job of getting Newsom on the record. You love Joe Biden. You think Bidenomics is working. You think he's got all of his mental faculties. He's not missing a step at all. All right, we've got you on the record now. So that was a good thing because it seems like Gavin Newsom's the only man in America, including the Democrats, that is all in on Joe Biden. Now, maybe he's playing that corporate you know, company man, butt kisser role, because he knows he's the next man up. If Joe Biden is voluntold, you're not running again. But CNN's made an announcement. So on the heels of what we saw with DeSantis and Newsom, they're going to be doing Republican town halls. So just one candidate on a stage and Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, they're going to be the two. DeSantis will take the stage Tuesday, December 12th. Um, This will be with Jake Tapper as the moderator. And then Ramaswamy will do his town hall the next night, Wednesday the 13th, with CNN's Abby Phillip as the moderator. Now, I'm excited for this for one reason. Both of these guys have no problem giving a middle finger to CNN, MSNBC, and the media that usually carries the water for the Democrat Party. Hell, the last debate... This was Vivek Ramaswamy going off on NBC right to their face. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. Do you think the Democrats, and we've got Christian Welker here, do you think the Democrats <laughs> would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Christian, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. <laughs> Mr. Ross. Just sitting there with a doofus smile on her face. So if Abby Phillip of CNN gets a hair on her backside and decides to get cute with Vivek, he's going to bring the heat. And of all the folks on CNN that could probably counterpunch, she is the low person on the totem pole. She is not very good when she gets called out. Like Jake Tapper doing DeSantis's event all right, those two are going to have a pretty spirited back and forth, which, to be honest with you, it's not really the moderator's job to go back and forth. But Jake Tapper is at least willing to engage. Abby Phillip is a zero. And if she tries to get cute on Ramaswamy, he's going to bury her. A few quick notes here we wanted to pass along. Um, I love holiday events. Like, we talked to Eddie White earlier. Uh, Pacers are doing a toy drive. I love that kind of stuff. Um, There's a 
toy drive going on in Greenfield this Saturday. Oh, cool. I went up there last night, and I was helping set up some of the PA equipment that they're using for this. Okay. Um, it's at the Hancock County Fairgrounds, noon to 4. And what's cool about this is you don't have to get out of your car. You can drive by with you know a toy or some sort of gift for a child, and no matter what the weather is, rainy, cold, whatever, the staff there, they'll take it out, they'll take care of it, they'll set it out, and you don't have to get out of your car. You can totally drive through and do this. It's at the Hancock County Fairgrounds in Greenfield uh, from noon to four this Saturday. So if you are out and about, if you're in that neck of the woods, so to speak, go get a toy for some kid that's a little less fortunate and make his Christmas a little brighter and you don't have to get out of your car. You can drink your Starbucks, you can eat your Big Mac and do all the things and the awesome staff will take care of you. This Friday night... It's the Radiothon, WIBC Radiothon for the Salvation Army. This has been going on 25, 26, 27 years now. You and I have been a part of it since about 2016, I believe. We haven't missed a year. Even COVID, we did it. And um, I'm fired up. I am too. I love, and I love doing this. I'm telling you, this is how much I love this event and how much I want to help people. I have every opportunity to go to Las Vegas and watch the Pacers in that in-season tournament. The game is Thursday, but our radiothon is Friday. And I don't want to miss not having a connecting flight because I love helping these Hoosier families in need. And and this is true because I was texting you guys last night. I could basically go. I'm ready to go. go. Go to the game and then take a red eye back. Yeah, but man... If my flight gets canceled, I couldn't live with myself because I'd feel bad about screwing over the Salvation Army. I mean, you have to be a real a-hole to not help the Salvation Army when they need it the most. And I understand. A couple of years ago, they had some you know, worm put out a statement that was super woke and it rubbed people the wrong way. Hell, it rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like it. And we had their Salvation Army guy come into studio and we read him the riot act. But at the end of the day, we've all taken tours to go to the Salvation Army, and we've seen what they do with that bed and breakfast club, taking care of women and children and families that have nowhere to go. And I got news for you. Those kids... Those families, they do not care who you voted for. They do not care about your politics. They just need help. And all the money we raise this Friday is going here in Indiana to help the Salvation Army. We can start it early, can't we? We can. So we've got these virtual kettles going on right now. Um, So I put a tweet out earlier. So if you go to the Hammer and Nigel Show Twitter feed, scroll down. There's a Hammer link and there's a Nigel link. You can make a donation to either one. It all goes to the same place. Uh, If you want to make a donation now, you can. If you want to donate on Friday when we're on the air, you can do that as well. But all of the money stays here in Central Indy. And if you donate to my link, Jason Hammer's link, um, our good friends at Indie Decorative Concrete. They're stepping up and offering to match all of the donations to my virtual kettle up to 500 bucks. That's awesome. So go check that out. Now, mine is, um, man, I don't, uh, let's see here. I don't have any, I don't have anything in my virtual kettle. <laughs> Somebody please help me. Um, my good friends 
Galaxy Concrete Coatings stepping up and offering to match donations in my virtual red cattle up to $1,000. So we have those links up there. We would really like to get some uh, some cash going in these things right. before Radiothon even starts. And you've got the link where? Uh, on our Twitter feed. Just scroll down a couple tweets. Uh, you will see um, both links, a Hammer link and a Nigel link. Click on either one. Again, all the money goes to the same place. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play Is This Anything? Uh, we'll run some stories by you. You be the one that breaks down all the information and gives us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? An Ohio man is being charged after shooting some dude in the face. Oh. Because he refused to share his potato chips. Here's part of the arrest of Melvin Wright and him claiming that he's innocent while in the back of the police cruiser. Well, we already got a shot. How many people are supposed to be on there? Did we get them? Yeah. You got a weapon on you, bro? Where's it at? In your backpack? That's all I've been doing is just trying to get my life together with God. Definitely wasn't me. <laughs> hey, look, I'm trying to get my life together with God. I was praying. It definitely wasn't me that shot this guy in the face because he wouldn't share his uh, ranch Doritos. <laughs> yeah, this is something that's, uh, again, what do we always talk about on this show? We don't have to take it to a serious level here, but I mean, pulling out your gun and using it for ridiculous purposes. I mean, right. Uh, other than self-defense. Yo, you won't let me have your potato chips, son? Okay, well, let me show you how it's done here. Whatever happened to just, you know, beating the hell out of somebody? Like, I kind of miss the days where people would just brawl instead of shooting each other for potato chips. I've uh, recently rediscovered uh, salt and vinegar potato chips. They are so good. Where do they rank oh, on your list of potato man. chips? Um, what is the potato chip you would shoot somebody in the face for? <laughs> uh, the salt and vinegar, uh, they're up there. Um, the cheddar ruffles. The cheds. Yeah. yeah. Cheddar cheese ruffles are really up there. Maybe uh, some... I'm a sour cream yeah, guy. Yeah, sour cream and chives, yeah. I love the sour cream chips, man. Especially when they're like fresh out the bag and they're big still, and not the crumbles at the bottom. That's so you good. Know, I like going to a bar and getting the kettle chips instead of the french fries. Most of the times I'll get like a, you know, a burger and the kettle chips. Allison, what's the um, uh, potato chip you would shoot somebody in the face for? I think it would be the, the Ruffles cheddar. That's my top one. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And now I want potato chips. Thanks, guys. I mean, <laughs> Pringles in there for anybody? I've never been that giant of a Pringles fan. And nah. especially when it gets, when that little tube starts to, there's only a few left. You got to, you can't get your hand down in there. How many Pringles do you put in your mouth at once? Like, how many, when you pull it out of that little tube thing, yeah. like, is, what is the point of embarrassment on that? I would probably go five on Av. On Av? Oh, yeah. I'm way above that. Really? Yeah. Like, those things are pretty thin, right? So, like, five even. Now, nah, it's probably at least 
a minimum of nine. <laughs> I think it's a minimum of nine. Okay. So that's the question I'm going to throw out there on our YouTube chat, which is rolling right now on the stream. Make sure you jump in and watch the live show in studio. Also, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, Facebook. Number one, what's the potato chip you would shoot somebody in the face for? And number two, <laughs> how many Pringles do you put in your mouth at once? What's the over-under there? Uh, Lay's cheddar and sour cream can't go wrong there. Do we go Lay's or do we go Ruffles? I'm a Lay's general? man, personally. I like the Lay's better. You don't like the ridges in the, in the I'm ruffles? not against the ridges. Now, if I you have know, dip, you know I mean? if there's a dip available, that's a game changer. Yeah, they're and a little And then I've got to get the ruffles. Yeah. Because the ruffles and the ridges, they hold the dip better. Yes. God, I'm fat. Nothing worse. <laughs> Nothing worse than dipping your chip and, uh, you know, the onion dip and having a break off. Right. Oh, that's... Just uh, the worst. Okay, since we're having this conversation, since we're having real talk about potato chips and dip here, what's better? Potato chip in like the onion dip. French onion or something like that. Or like the tortilla chip dipped in like the salsa or the queso. Which oh, chip dip oh, combination oh, oh, oh. is oh, better? Dude. Allison, I'm going to defer to you on this Don't one. Don't do this I think me. it's a French dip. It's a classic. So the regular French potato onion. chip with like the onion, the French ruffles dip. with the French onion dip. Yep. Nige? Nothing better than bellying up to your favorite Mexican joint ordered in a thirty-two ounce thing of Dos Equis Amber and sitting there eating chips and salsa. Right. And maybe even get some uh, some queso with guac. some some, some gu- yeah guac yeah. or yeah. queso. I'm going with I'm, I'm going with chips and salsa and and guac and and queso. I'm with you on that one. I'm with Nige on this one. Let us know your thoughts at Hammer and Nigel. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This situation absolutely requires a really futile and stupid gesture be done on somebody's part. We're just the guys to do it. Hammer and Nigel. FBI Director Christopher Wray in front of a committee today. Basically, the point was to talk about how the FBI is moving as quickly as it can to stop this this growing number of reported threats against Jewish and, he says, Muslim people across the United States amid the uh, Israel-Hamas war. Uh, Anti-Semitic and anti-Muslim hate crimes have surged. It's just so... It's not funny, but I I see anti-Israel, pro-Hamas demonstrations all across this country. I see people gluing themselves to the Brooklyn Bridge. I see, you know, anti-Israel, pro-Hamas demonstrations on college campuses. I have not... Have you seen any anti-Muslim demonstrations? No, I haven't. The the size and scope of what you're saying. I've seen a couple pro-Israel, like when Monument Circle had their deal. Of course there has been, yeah. But and in Washington, there on the monument, one of the biggest, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. It was inspiring to see. But see, uh, but but Chris Ray, FBI Director Chris Ray, in front of the committee today, Senate committee, talking about that was the main point. But he was getting grilled from all ends on all sorts of right. subjects. The Biden crime family was a hot topic today. Um, the shady antics, if you want to call it that, of the FBI being very selective, going after certain groups and letting others go. And then there was Tennessee Senator 
Marsha Blackburn. Now, she is the one that has a personal connection to, like, sex trafficking. She has a loved one. I think it's a cousin that was involved in being a victim of sex trafficking. So this is a cause that's very near and dear to her heart. She was pressing FBI Director Ray on why the FBI ignored a lot of the allegations from Jeffrey Epstein's victims. As to the Epstein case specifically, I will tell you it's been a while since I looked at that case. Obviously, we worked together with prosecutors to bring charges before he... um, I realize that. But what we need from you is a complete investigation of why the FBI did not take this up and then getting to the bottom of what is appearing to be an enormous sex trafficking ring and listening to these survivors, you know, and as I said, I've tried to get the, uh, a subpoena on the flight logs. I, I think people need to know who were on, who was on those uh, planes. Well, as I said, it's been a while since I looked at the specific case. Uh, let me uh, offer to have my, get, let me get with my team and figure out if there's more information we can provide to. That would be great. We have never, even through the Jelaine Maxwell trial, we never got to the bottom of this. And we have these survivors who say, oh, there is so much more. They swept it under the rug. And that is wrong. And you need to right that wrong. Chris Ray was like, the FBI director was like, hey, Epstein's dead. I barely even pay attention to this stuff anymore. But Blackburn is so right. I mean, what do we know here? We know there were a bunch of women that got paid out to giant settlements from corporations who were financially backing Epstein. We've got, uh, you know, what's her boobs that's in jail? The you know, Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, where are the flight logs and where's the list? We've got, we got a whole host of victims who assaulted these victims. And why was that list sealed up? by the prosecution, not the defense of Ghislaine Maxwell, who won, because the defense lost, the prosecution won. But the lawyer for the prosecution was Leakin Lyon, James Comey's daughter, the previous FBI director. Why on God's green earth would that list be sealed up in perpetuity? Because they're covering something up. I mean, unless you're incredibly naive, The reason that was sealed up by the prosecution, which happened to be Comey's daughter, was there were some incriminating names probably on those flight logs that went to Pedophile Island that they did not want to get out. And it floors me because if there's one thing this country does not have a shortage in, it's reporters and investigators. There's an awful lot of those in this country. And for every TV station that's got an investigative journalist, for every national outlet that has an investigative team, I'm shocked that nobody is working hard to find out who was on the flight logs and who actually went to the island. I'm not talking about who flew with Jeffrey Epstein to an event, you know, here or there. Yeah, who went down was, to Pedophile was, Island for the sole purpose of having sex with young girls? That should be something that brings this country together. Again, Republicans and Democrats, I think we can all agree, pedophiles are the worst. And yet... That list exists, and nobody wants to find out who was on it. 
You could put a lot of bad, sleazy people behind bars. And if it's Republicans and Democrats, I do not care. Lock that ass up. But we're not doing that as a country. The FBI is not doing that. Investigative journalists are not doing that. (laughs) Maybe because they know they'll get the Epstein treatment. They got to him in jail. Right. Or in prison. No, no. Was it, was it, was it prison or was it the, the, the still in the county jail where he was uh, <clears throat> hung, where he hung himself? Right. And it was just an amazing string of coincidence that the guards were gone, the cameras <laughs> were down, broken. and he ended up dead. It happens all the oh, time. Oh, the guards were, I think, asleep, weren't they? Were the guards asleep? I think they fell asleep. Okay. Mm. So they weren't doing their jobs <laughs> and the video was down. Got it. Got it. I still maintain... If that list had been nothing but Republicans, if it were Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Josh Hawley, Matt Gates, if it was all those guys, that list would have been out that night. But there's something on that list that these people do not want out, whether it's Hollywood elite, whether it's folks in Washington, whether it's former presidents, we don't know. It's so creepy that Ghislaine Maxwell took the time to get her helicopter license her pilot's license because the the pilots were getting suspicious of her flying back and forth to epstein island pervert island pedo island with these young girls so in order to avoid any appearance of impropriety she just got her own pilot's license And she would procure the talent, so to speak, the underage girls, and fly them there herself. First, she would mentor these young girls. Yeah. Like Like she'd build up a trust and a relationship to these young girls coming from either problem families or she would meet up with them at camps and become like a guidance counselor and a confidant and a friend, earn their trust, and then ultimately sell them out to these horrible people. And I hope Marsha Blackburn gets Everything she's looking for here feels like she's the only one still concerned about this. I hope she gets the subpoenas. I hope she gets what she's looking for. Allison, hit me with some legal stuff. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. So a lot of people claim they may have had a crazy Thanksgiving. All the relatives together, you start drinking, you start talking smack, maybe you play a football game, you're playing some cards, whatever the case may be. A lot of people's definition of crazy, you know, goes along with Thanksgiving. But I feel pretty confident that nobody had a Thanksgiving like the fine folks in Battle Creek, Michigan. All right. Police in Battle Creek have been investigating a house where, on Thanksgiving, everybody overdosed. All 10 people in the house were found unresponsive, some of them with, quote, deceased breathing. Emergency responders were able to respond to all the victims, and nobody has passed away. They had to use Narcan on some of these folks. Wait, wait, wait. You're you're saying that when you say overdose, it's not like alcohol poisoning or something, right? Are you talking about drugs? The health department says... They believe they were all doing cocaine, but it was laced with something, probably fentanyl. (laughs) Ten? You said the number is ten? Ten. Family members? Deceased breathing, which is like this close to kicking it, but they arrived with Narcan and they were able to revive everybody. Now that's what I call a party. 
So this happened in Battle Creek, Michigan. Wow. I'm, I'm wondering, after the Lions lost, if that was the final straw. <laughs> because they were a heavy favorite against Green they Bay were. that day. And this was going to be the year that the Lions took back Thanksgiving and brought joy to the people of Michigan. And Jordan Love and the Packers went in there. Next thing you know, they're doing laced Coke and 10 people on the floor. Wow. That's, that's crazy. That's, I mean, uh, I've been to some dysfunctional family gatherings before, but nothing of that magnitude. And who was the one that called 911? Is he the winner? Yeah. Is that the last man standing? <laughs> Did he win Thanksgiving because he got the call 911? Is that what is happening now? Is that fentanyl is even being cut in with cocaine? Oh, yeah. Like this stuff, they're snorting it. They're putting it into <laughs> injections, man. It's a problem. And there's enough coke and there's enough fentanyl in this country to basically kill everybody right now. So it's easily accessible. Anybody that wants it can find it. And they had a house party in Battle Creek, Michigan, and 10 people all on the floor. But they're going to be all right. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. So the Pacers are moving on to Vegas in the NBA's in-season tournament. What a game last night. Good to see the field house rocking and rolling again. Especially after they got beat by 50 by that team, the Celtics, right. uh, not too long ago. So here on the Hammer and Nigel Show, we thought if the NBA could have an exciting in-season tournament, we can do the same with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. The Biden Madness in-season tournament. We took four clips of Joe Biden, the two previous winners of Biden Madness with two new clips, against four clips of Kamala Harris doing Kamala Harris things, not making sense and doing word salad. In the first round, it was a sweep by Joe Biden. Biden beat Kamala in every matchup. So yesterday, the first Final Four matchup was the number five seed where Joe Biden was speaking in Vietnam, and he just gave up and said, I want to go to bed, and had a blank stare to the crowd with his mouth slightly open. He may have a gay plan. He just hasn't shared it with me. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> and that goofy, I'm dead inside stare to the crowd. His mouth open, mouth breather. This is a guy that's the most powerful man in the world on a world stage. We're going to go to bed. (laughs) So that went head-to-head against the number one seed in our tournament. The Kansas, if you want to call it that, of the March Madness bracket. The winner of the first Biden Madness, Joe Biden trying to recite the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. So the winner of yesterday's matchup by a score of sixty-eight point eight percent to thirty-one point two percent. All men and women created by uh, go. You know the you know the thing. So you know the thing. Moving on to the finals. Strong. I mean, I want to go to bed. I think it was highly underrated. It was. It was a scrappy six C that clawed yeah. its way to the final four. Here's today's matchup. The number six seed. Go to bed was actually five. Today is number six. It's folksy racism <laughs> by Joe Biden. He was at an event this past year, and he was supposed to talk about LL Cool J. And he butchers his name, 
And then he calls him boy. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, by the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's. Been- so we got an LLJ Cool J. That boy. Man, that's strong. That's but it's a big one. going against the number two seed, the winner of the second annual Biden Madness Tournament. This is when it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day and Joe Biden pandering to a church in Michigan, I believe it was, in Detroit. Martin Luther King III was there. It was his wife, Andrea's birthday. Now, I can't stress that enough. Her name is Andrea. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Alan. Happy birthday to you. Did I catch a Valvet? In I mean, there? He didn't even try. Who the hell is Valvet? It's like an episode of Seinfeld. Mulva? <laughs> so you can vote right now. On Twitter, it's posted live. Your votes decide who moves on to the championship. Is it Joe Biden butchering LL Cool J's name and calling him boy? Or happy birthday, Velvet? You can vote right now. It's going to be close. At Hammer and Nigel on Twitter. We'll pin it to the top. You've got 23 hours to get your votes in. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! So, early this morning, Hammer... Some suspicious activity going on. I heard about this at the top of the news, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is this is bad. Fall Creek Parkway, North Drive. Uh, there was a couple of neighbors heard some stuff going outside, heard a ruckus. Can you describe the ruckus? Well, it was some sort of ruckus. So they got out about 2 o'clock in the morning, couldn't find anything, wandered back around the house, and uh, encountered three armed individuals, and that's when the shooting started. So the neighbors were actually kind of looking after each other and the community. Yes. You know, one neighbor called another. They got out together, walked around, got into a car and drove around the neighborhood, didn't see anything. And then when they came back, there were a group of dudes who were up to no good, trying to make trouble in their neighborhood, to quote Will Smith and the Fresh Prince. Yes. And that's when gunfire happened. These scumbags that were clearly trying to rob something or create problems fired off a shot. They hit one of the neighbors, uh, hit him in the head, head wound. Minor head wound. Minor okay. head wound. Going to be okay. It's and just too bad that the, the victims here weren't able to connect. With the would-be armed robbers. They got into their SUV and left. There are bullet holes, from what I'm told, in their car or SUV or whatever they were driving. And And, uh, police are saying if anybody knows anything at all, if you've seen the three people that were creating the problems in the neighborhood, uh, call Crime Stoppers at 262-TIPS. 
I just I think when I see these stories and I'm disappointed that like no bad guys died because I the, the more of these stories that happen, the more criminals will see that oh well, things are starting to change a little bit. Right. The, the, record numbers of gun owners, not only in this city but across the country, people have been purchasing guns. And they are not afraid to defend themselves. These guys are heroes uh, that, that you know, were not only looking after their own houses, but the neighborhood as well. And I'm, I'm glad the guy's okay, a minor injury to the head, but there was children um, present as well. Lucky nobody died. And especially... Unfortunately, the, uh, unfortunately, the bad guys didn't the bad die. Because I like it when bad guys I die. I do, too. I, don't, I, don't I enjoy it. Because honestly, in Marion County, that's the only way you know they're not going to be right back out on the streets <laughs> the next day if they get killed. And I hate saying that out loud, but let's be honest. We all agree it's the truth. There are only two ways to make crime better in Indianapolis. You have competent leadership that locks up repeat offenders for a longer period of time, tougher sentencing for violent offenders, because a lot of these people get back out on the street and commit more crime. Tougher sentencing on them or law-abiding citizens do law-abiding citizen things and eliminate the threat. Those are the two ways that Indy could be safe. I've got very little faith in option A, but option B might have to be something that more people consider. So if you know somebody that's getting a weapon for their home, maybe it's going to be a gift for the holidays, I don't know, do yourself a favor and get properly trained. Well, it all started, I think, around the summer of love. 2020, they saw businesses and neighborhoods and and cities being burned and rioted and looted, and nothing was being done by the the Democrats that ran those cities to protect the citizens. And the mayor's office told the police downtown, basically, stand by, uh, let give, them march, give them some room. Yeah, got to have some plenty of room for that window to go through the jewelry store on the corner. I mean, that sucks. I'm sorry, that flat out sucks. So I get it. I totally understand why more people want to buy firearms for their house, and I hate the fact that these three guys didn't die. Dead bad guys makes me laugh, and I wish they would have died. Um, Big Nige, it's (laughs) scam and hack season. Is it really? It is, because it's the holidays. And listen, criminals, they got to buy gifts too, so they got to find a way to get some sort of income coming in. And... Do you know what 23 and me is? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, it's the um like your DNA origins. I do. I'm on Oh, am I on 23 and me? Because they got hacked, didn't they? They sure as hell did. Let me see, am I on them? No, I'm on I'm on ancestry.com. Okay. It's another one of those sites where you send yeah. a DNA so, swab and they can trace yeah. your family so history. What, what I did was I spit into I got it for Christmas one year. I spit into a vial, like this little tiny vial, and sent it out and then uh, they sent me back, you know, I set up an account with Ancestry and now I know like where I'm I'm looking at it right now, as a matter of fact. So most of my heritage, most most of my family comes from England and Northwestern Europe. Well, congratulations on knowing that. But uh, if you're a 23andMe customer, your information's also been compromised. 
because these hackers, man, it's not just kids in their basement anymore. I mean, you saw what happened on the Las Vegas Strip. Like, Las Vegas got crippled by a sophisticated group of hackers and scammers. They're kind of like the bastard stepchild of the hackers. Because this time of year, there's a lot of people trying to run fake charity scams. Dude, do you ever get those emails from, like, it'll say it's from, I'll get emails that say it's from PayPal. And then I'll open it up and it says, hey, thank you for your purchase of $1,500 or whatever. I know damn well that I don't, I, I didn't, I, I think my- We work in radio. We don't have that kind of money. But, but Joke's not, on but, you. But not only that, but I know that <laughs> my, my account from PayPal is is either, I don't, I don't have an active credit card, so I don't click on it. But right. people click on that stuff. Right. And uh, I, I get them all the time in my, my personal email. I see it all the time. So you're right, scammers are everywhere. A couple years ago, uh, we had- our credit card hacked and i think this is when uh, at the time the disney app came out remember the disney movie app i can't remember what it was disney called plus? disney plus came out we made the mistake of getting it a couple years ago and immediately there was a hack so if oh, that wasn't man. enough and then all their woke bullcrap we got rid of disney plus a while back but this happened around this time it was around the holidays and you're going to see a big uptick in this kind of stuff well the difference between hacks and scams i mean corporations mg like you said mgm got hacked and i think they paid those effers off right yeah they they paid those guys off to get back online i'm very personally uh, familiar with the situation that's going on right now with a with a giant corporation that's going through something like this. And, and the scam and the hack, though, can work hand in hand because you fall for something dumb. Like if you don't know any better, if you're an older person and you see a message that says, hey, your whatever has been compromised, click this email. Yeah. They click it because they don't know any don't better. Click it, and next thing you know, your it. bank account, your credit cards are drained down. But we, I, I mean, these hackers that do this to, like, again, the MGM Grand, they have like help centers. They have call. They have customer service centers. The hackers, they do. Like, if you are trying to pay off a hacker and your your money's not going through, or you don't have the right password or the right code, you can call a number, and there's very professional people on the other line that can guide you through robbing you, essentially. Which brings us to great moments in scammer history. This was a news anchor who was expecting, I think, a call from somebody trying to run a scam. So she did it on the air, and it was fantastic. Hello, I'm going to speak to Jeanette Reyes. This is she. Hello, Jeanette. We're calling in regards to an outstanding warrant we have for your arrest. I didn't know about that. Can I just pay for it now? Yes, uh, we can clear up this matter if you're <laughs> able to make a payment right now with a debit or credit card. Go ahead with the number, please. It's three, two, one. Good evening. We are live on television right now with an investigation into scam callers. We have the FBI on the line. They are tracking this phone number as we speak. <laughs> Sir, what is your full name again? And of course, they hung up. I thought that was pretty brilliant. But the way that you have handled these people in the past, Nige, I think it's even better. We were doing some production in a production studio when you got uh, a scam request that came in. So we thought it'd be good that you called them back to see what they were up to. Hello. Thank you for calling. Please stay on the line while I connect you to one of our representatives. 
Please note that your call may be monitored or recorded for quality assurance or training purposes. Hello. Hi, this is Hannah. How may I help you? Yeah, I was calling to pay off my debt. Got a call uh, about the debt collecting. <laughs> Sorry, who am I speaking with? This is uh, Bueller. First name Ferris. <laughs> Interesting. F E R. It's two R. It's two R's. <laughs> yeah. What can I actually help you with? Well, no, I'm calling to pay off my debt. Would you like my social security number first, or my uh, credit card number first? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me your social. Okay. Eight one two. Three five. Six five three seven. And you're not in our system, sir. So I hope you have a good day. Scammer. <laughs> you know what's scary about that is like you think these scamming. You, you think it's like some call center in the Middle East where I mean you can hear stuff going on in the background and stuff like that. These were obviously Americans. I mean, you heard that voicemail greeting at the beginning. It sounded like some hillbilly. Howdy, hey, hold on. We'll get you in touch, and you can pay off your debt. It sounded like John Candy protecting <laughs> Wally World. Hello, the moose out front yeah. told you. Now, there was another time we were back there doing some commercial work, because that's what we do before the show, and there was another scam call that came in. We got the phone number, and you called them back. Okay. Hello? Hello? Fuck you. Huh? <laughs> that was it? That's all we get? <laughs> Call back. Fuck you. Hey, man! <laughs> <laughs> now, that was a... That sounded like a an overseas Middle East call center. Yes. Right there. Then you could hear other, other people in the background. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Whoa. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! Hammer a poll asked thousands of people what they'd do if they found $1,000 cash on the ground. On average, 47% of people said they'd keep it. Now, Jacksonville was the most honest city. Detroit was the least honest. <laughs> Indy came in 32nd uh, with that same number. 47% of people in Indiana said they would keep the $1,000 if they found it on the ground. Are you okay with this? Yes, I am okay with this because, let's be honest, if you're in Detroit or Indianapolis and you find $1,000 on the ground... That's drug money. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind that's drug money. And I have no problem spending money that was normally going to go to some fentanyl dealer on a five-leg parlay that I'm going to play this weekend. It's free money. No, I have no problem with it all. Here's my thing with questions like this. Like, if you found somebody's wallet, if you found uh, you know, uh, $1,500 in a used couch that you bought at a garage sale, I would be inclined to give it back, but how hard do I have to work to find who it belongs to? 
I think if you find a wallet, you know, that's different. Like, if you find a wallet, there's probably yeah. a driver's license, all that's in there. I totally would give that back. I would, too. But if it's just $1,000 in yeah. a cash envelope that I found on the ground. Like, if you're walking along on a Monon and you find a random wad of 20s. What are you supposed to do? Turn it into the cops? Get to your car quickly because somebody's <laughs> coming to get that money because that's their drug payment. Like, I, I remember driving into work really early one morning, like about 5.30 in the morning. I saw this really nice um, drill set, this box with a nice construction just drill. Like, we're sitting in the middle of the road. It obviously fell off some construction truck. Right. Some, it belonged to somebody. And so later that day, after I got off work, I took it to the Zionsville Police Department and turned it in. Um, not that I'm deserving of any praise or anything, but that's probably about the extent that I'd go to. Uh, and I'm not turning cash. I mean, if it's $100,000 cash, yeah, I'd probably better go to the cops with that one. And say, but- I found $1,000, <laughs> and you can still sleep well at night. <laughs> Have you ever found money before? Have you ever like nothing picked like, up money? Nothing like I that. I found um, somebody had dropped some money in the parking lot of Kroger, and it was like a hundred bucks, all in twenties. And I thought, all right, this is in a parking lot of a grocery store. This is somebody's grocery money. Yeah. And so I took that in, and I took it to the customer service area, and I did my thing there. I think certain places are different. If you find somebody's wallet, turn that in. If it's at the grocery store, turn it in. If it's downtown on Monument Circle, underneath a pile of needles, and it's a stack <laughs> of Benjamins, that's mine. And don't ask me why I found it there. Gotcha. Okay, come on. Uh, what do we have next? Oh, let's uh, talk about George Santos. <laughs> this idiot's now on Cameo. <laughs> Which, where was he for prices? Uh, cameo prices, right? John Fetterman pays three hundred forty-three dollars for John George Santos to unknowingly troll indicted Democratic Senator Bob Menendez in his first day on Cameo. He made it vague, and Santos did it. Are you okay with? Wait, what? What? What exactly is happening here? What? So Fetterman, to his credit, actually has been somewhat normal lately. He finds it ridiculous that the United States isn't all in on supporting Israel. And he also thinks his fellow Democrat senator, Bob Menendez, needs to be expelled from uh, the Congress. Lots of shadiness with Menendez, for sure. So, look, hat tip to Fetterman. He thinks a Democrat, and he's a Democrat, needs to be expelled along with Santos. So, in order to troll the guy that he thinks should be kicked out, he hired George Santos to read something (laughs) very vague on Cameo. This is what uh, Fetterman posted on Twitter. (laughs) Quote, I thought my ethically challenged colleague, Bob Menendez, from New Jersey, could use some encouragement given his substantial legal problems. (laughs) So I approached a seasoned expert on the matter and gave Bobby from Jersey some advice. This was the message that he gave Santos to record, but Santos didn't know that it was for Menendez. Hey, Bobby, uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. That's a strong troll by Fetterman right there. Are you okay with this? 
Ah, oh, God, I can't believe it, but yes. How much was a, a cameo from uh, George Santos? $343. Oh, $340. Jeez. I would have I taken the under on that. You could have got two and a half honky-tonk mans for that price. <laughs> like, Jim Mora is only 50 bucks. You could have a series of Jim Mora messages where he's yelling at you, saying diddly-poo and playoffs and all that kind of stuff. One message from Santos was $343. How much did we pay for Tanya Harding? I think it was around two, two hundred dollars for our old producer Kyle, his farewell gift at a That's night with right. WIBC. That's right. We had Tanya Harding <laughs> give him a message. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob two hundred milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Wait a minute. What does Rob Kendall call the current lieutenant governor? What, what's her nickname? Silent Suzanne. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because she stayed silent during Holcomb and his draconian lockdown policies during COVID, putting millions of people out of work, didn't say a word. Now she's running for uh, Indiana governor. And now she's got an idea that I don't mind, that I like, uh, eliminating the state income tax hammer. So according to some new info that she put on her website today, her official uh, Susan Crouch for Governor website, she laid out all the things that she wants to do to eliminate the state income tax. Here's a couple bullet points here. One, return to taxpayers all budget and reserve fund surplus beyond reasonably necessary levels in the form of permanent individual rate reductions. She goes on to talk about how there also needs to be individual income tax elimination, a modernization of tax code, limit the growth and cost of Indiana government, limit a number of other things to adjust the growth of the economy. Okay, so, so but the big, the main part is the elimination of the state income tax, which again, I'm down with. I lived in a state where there was no state income tax. It was glorious. In fact, the first paycheck I remember receiving, I went to my boss and I said, is this right? Is this what we agreed to? Because this was more than I thought. The thing is, and again, Suzanne Crouch is a nice woman. She's been here on our program before. I don't think any of this stuff she can pull off. I don't know how many folks are willing to help her right now because they don't like her old boss. They just, don't I, like I, Governor I, Holcomb. I, couldn't, I could not vote for anybody associated with the Holcomb administration in any way, shape, or form after right. what he pulled during COVID. And no way. if during that, she had kind of been the one that said, listen, I don't agree with what this crazy SOB is doing over here, but I don't have a say because I'm just a lieutenant governor, but I am not with him. Let the record clearly state. She didn't do that. And I think that's why Rob has dubbed her Silent Suzanne. Sometimes he just calls her silent. Like <laughs> he just he, like when Trump dropped the uh Crooked Hillary. He just started calling her crooked. And everybody knew (laughs) who you were talking about. about. Crooked, silent. Yeah, I mean, that's why Micah Beckwith is is running for 
uh, you know, the the nomination of lieutenant governor through the delegates is because we want somebody there. We want somebody there to push back on the governor if he gets squirrely. Right. Right. And there are, I mean, the reason these things will never happen that Suzanne Crouch is wanting because one, she's alienated the people that feel like she was too silent, and number two. The establishment butt sniffers, well, they don't like that at all. They want to keep all that surplus money and not pass it down. So between the folks that are angry and then the establishment butt sniffers, I don't know if there's enough support from anybody for her to move forward with this. The ideas themselves, all right, great. We all agree we should get our money back. We all agree we're overtaxed. But I just don't know if this is the person that can pull that off. Um, Let's play a round of Is It Racist? It's time to play Is It Racist? It's been a little while since we've played this game, so for those who may be new to the Hammer and Nigel show, here to explain the rules is socialist sweetheart AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist, yes or no? Nigel, you know who Ibram Kendi is, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, race baiter, author, um, you know, anti-racist, which is actually the severe form of racism guy. <laughs> right. um, won't debate anybody on his views because, because he, I mean, he's a bigot, basically. And he's a fraud. He's yeah. teaching he, some college class, pushing his bigoted views upon them and then when asked where all the funding for his classroom went and there was a little investigation he didn't have any receipts didn't have any answers right i forgot about that so this guy it's like a younger version of al sharpton he's making a career out of being a race hustler so that's who he is but let's keep an open mind here let's see if this statement that he made at the premiere of his new netflix film is racist okay keep an open mind Here is Ibram Kendi. That construction of whiteness prevents uh, white people from uh, connecting to humanity. Really be able to connect to people who don't look like you, who have kinky hair, who have dark skin, uh, and to see yourself in them. And it's whiteness that prevents that. Right, and, and when you're Whitey. not able to see yourself uh, in other human beings, that creates all sorts of problems. Um, but not just societal problems, personal problems. Mm. Uh, that that I think hopefully this 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 film and this work will, will liberate those folks from. So I, I think it's this liberate it's liberating all the way around, right? It, it you know I think it, it will liberate you know really all of us because uh, you know we've all been told a lie about ourselves and other people. Ooh. Oh yeah, and a standing so ovation. So profound. So Nige, I defer to you. Is the statement whiteness prevents white people from connecting to humanity <laughs> racist? I'll take bigotry for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> we can't connect to humanity because we're white. Whitey can't connect, so I don't know what to do. I throw my hands up and just, you know, I'm going to have to move on with my life. 
And how about the people that stood up like seals and applauded that? What? What? I'm not even. Don't even say the movie. I, like I can't even believe Netflix. Like Netflix had this failed movie called The Problem with White People. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we got it was just immediately taken down. It was awful. I think it only lasted a season or two. And you lost me at the problem with white people. That like that's not a a, a bigoted racist title to begin with. Now I don't know what the name of this new Netflix film is, Dare. but if I had to guess, Kill Whitey. That's just my guess. <laughs> Wasn't that what Chris Farley shouted on stage in the movie Black Sheep, where he was up yeah. there like trying to rally up support for his brother who was running for office? Fight the power! And he's yelling all these catchphrases. Kill Whitey! The music stops and everybody looks at it's him. Like and they're telling him scratch. They're telling him no, no, no. Uh, would you like to hear a story about a man who used a sausage as a weapon? Night. Sure. Yeah. Dateline, Florida. Florida. A judge has ordered a Florida man to have no contact with his wife after his arrest for striking her in the face with a sausage. Oh. An actual sausage. Get your minds out of the gutter. During a verbal altercation this past weekend, 61-year-old dude named Ray Allen, not the NBA player, allegedly threw a sausage, pork, at his spouse. The said sausage struck his 64-year-old victim on the right side of her face. This is all in the arrest affidavit. EMS workers responded to the couple's home in St. Pete and had to wash out the victim's eye with saline solution. Mm. Which brings us to great moments in sausage history now. Is there even such a thing? Jim Ursay. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team. Damn right, Jim Ursay. And if we're doing great moments in sausage history, I think this is the, you know, George Washington of the Mount Rushmore here. The guy that called the Jimmy Dean hotline to complain yes. about the size of the sausage. The products are very delicious. Love your sausage for 30-something years, but I can't take and feed a family of five on a little 12-ounce roll of sausage. I don't mind paying you more money for your 16-ounce roll of sausage, but you don't have it anymore. You've got a 12-ounce roll, and you've got three men that weigh over 200 pounds apiece, <laughs> a woman that's a little plump, and a daughter who's 13, and you're going to try to take a 12-ounce roll of sausage and feed that. It ain't going to work. And as far as your 16-ounce and maple and sage, I don't eat that. I'm not from the north. I'm a Texas <laughs> man, and I'm not going to buy two of those 12-ounce packages just because you want to downsize and charge the same goddamn price. Son of a bitch. Somebody needs their ass kicked. Great moments yeah. in sausage history. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Rocking around Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. So, Nigel, you know this song, right? Rocking around sure. the Christmas tree. Right. Brenda Lee, she's 78 years old. And this song just made it to number one for the very first time. This past Monday, on the Billboard charts, the number one song was Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree in terms of new downloads and everything else. People are getting into the Christmas spirit. And even though this song was first released back in 1958, and it's come close to being number one before, it had never reached the top spot 
until this past Monday rocking around the Christmas tree. Okay, very cool accomplishment. I definitely will... If, you know, we're in the kitchen and it's Christmas time and we're cooking and we got the family going, I will definitely say, Alexa, play classic Christmas music. That song? That's a staple. It's a staple, right? You know, I don't like the new stuff so much, but I like the classic stuff, like the 50s and 60s. That reminds me of uh, the scene in Home Alone, where Kevin's making it look like he's got a bunch of people at the house and, you know, Michael Jordan's on the rotating train or whatever it is. (laughs) And um, so in honor of rocking around the Christmas tree being number one on the Billboard charts for downloads. Here are some cover songs of it. We like cover songs on this show. All right. Tell me if any of these do anything for you. Here's Toby Keith's version. I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of meh on meh. that one. Allison, what do you think? Toby Keith rocking around the Christmas tree. I think meh does it. Okay. Yeah. How about this one? This is uh, Stray Cat's front man, oh, Brian, Brian Setzer, Setzer and his Brian Setzer orchestra doing rocking around the Christmas tree. Rocking around More in the spirit of Brenda Lee. Guilty pleasure. I love the Brian Setzer Orchestra. I like Stray Cats. You celebrate the entire catalog. I celebrate the entire catalog. And Nige, because I know you love the voice of Miley Cyrus. Smoking. Here is Miley Cyrus doing Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. It's young Miley here. This was uh, her Hannah Montana days, I believe. I think it was. Was it really? No, a little too fast. I know it's called rocking around the Christmas tree. It's too, it's too rocking for me. (laughs) It's rocking too hard.